right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here with Nick Springer. I'm hey. Derek Johnson. And uh, everything decided to happen on a Friday today. I, Lots I of stuff going on. I mean, I, I'm being a little picky here. I would have appreciated for some of this news <laughs> to get spread out over the week when there weren't games going on. We have the KU Indiana game tomorrow, which you can hear yep. here on KLWN. We have the KU Tulsa women's basketball game tonight, which you can hear here on KLWN. We got high school hoops tonight, which you can hear on our sister station, 929 The Bull. We got a preview of the Chiefs game, the KU Indiana game. We got game picks. We got a Friday segment. And then everything decided to happen news related. <laughs> To Kansas, I guess the only thing that we are missing, which at this point, like, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if it pops, uh, given how everything else has, has gone today. Uh, probably the IRP thing is going to like come out at this point. But oh, yeah. um, the big news at the top, guess who's back? Andy Kulnicki and Kenny Logan. Nice, Kenny Logan Jr. I guess officially. Um, so we'll start with uh, Kenny Logan, I guess, and. Kenny Logan um, took to Twitter, released a video, basically in the video, announced, yeah, he is uh, coming back for for next season. It'll be his final year of collegiate eligibility. It'll be his fifth year. He, he had options. He could have gone pro because technically he was a senior this year, but he had the COVID year to come back. Yep. Could have gone pro, could have come back for another year of school, or hypothetically, he could have, if he really wanted to, entered the transfer portal and... You know, transferred to to a school that I don't know was in the SEC or something. He's originally from Florida. I don't know, and uh, decided to come back. He's been a leader of the team. He's been a very good player. He was an All Big Twelve player in uh, the the twenty twenty one season. This year didn't have as great of a season as maybe he had the year before, but still obviously a, an impactful player, starter for your defense. And now you have that that secondary coming back next year. And um, I guess just in general, like you need as much as you can for the the defense trying to improve even more. But yeah. I think that secondary next year is a position group that at least on paper right now, you get kind of excited about because all the guys can come back yes. as far as the starters. Yes, absolutely. And I think for Kenny Logan, on one hand, it's really not that surprising that he's come back, right? I mean, you consider what he's gone through as a member of the K-12 program and he was here obviously for some years where they really struggled and then they have this year that they've had, they're going to a bowl game for the first time in 15 years. And the, the possibility of, of building upon that even further and competing maybe for a Big 12 title next year, right? Because I think I think maybe internally that might be some of the discussion with KU football is, hey, we've got a lot of guys coming back. We're going to have a lot of guys you know ready to go. We could compete for a Big 12 title next year, right? And, I mean, is, is that that unrealistic of a goal for this team if they bring back 10, 11 starters on both sides of the ball? I, I don't think so. And so for Kenny Logan, it's like, okay – you could declare for the draft and probably not get drafted. Maybe, maybe, maybe get drafted. Obviously, you could transfer to a, to a different school, but at the end of the day, like the opportunity to come back and 
really truly cement your legacy as one of the true veteran leaders of this team for another year. And and like I said, for a year that maybe depending on who you ask inside that program, they might think that they have a shot at the Big 12 title for sure next season. So I think that to me, it speaks very highly to Kenny Logan, and it speaks very highly to this program. What Lance Leipold is doing is okay. Yes, I've got one year left. Why not make it special? Why not come back and make it even more special than this year was? And then Andy Kotelnicki. This uh, was broken by Ross Dellinger earlier. Kansas and offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki have agreed to a new contract that extends his deal out five years. He was heavily pursued this offseason. That so, part kind of intrigues yeah. me. I don't really know what that means, but. Well, I don't think it's like a surprise. I mean, Kansas no, had no. an unbelievable offensive season, great turnaround. He did so many great schematic things, was a great play caller. Of course, other schools were going to be interested in him. Yep. But the fact that he's heavily pursued really makes it feel like... But what do you think that was for? Do you see the heavily pursuit of Andy Kotelnicki as for a head coaching position or as an offensive coordinator? I mean, it might be a little Probably of both. Probably a little of both, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't... I wasn't keeping track, but if there was any group of five schools that were looking for an up-and-coming head coach, this Andy Kolnicki was probably on their radar a little bit. But again, he's been with Lance Leipold, and obviously the biggest thing for this staff has been continuity, right? Like maintaining all the all the same guys. And so Andy Kolnicki's been a part of that, and now it looks like he's going to continue to be a part of it, uh, which, is, which is great for KU, right? It further builds that. It's great for recruiting. And say, hey, look, we're we've got guys are not only not only is our head coach committed for the long term, but our coordinators, our assistant coaches are committed for the long term. So it's it's definitely very very exciting, no question about mm-hmm. that. And that has been the, the mo of this staff and exactly. the guys sticking exactly. around with Lance Leipold. But I mean, if I I would I would love to see the other jobs out there so we could be like, well, you know that that makes sense. But I mean, a five year contract that's a long term commitment for a guy who certainly deserves it. And yeah, there were there was a couple of people on Twitter claiming that this was one of the largest contracts ever given out to an assistant, like in terms of length, mm-hmm. like one of the longest assistant contracts. Yeah, I mean, well-deserved. He uh, certainly earned it for this season, and you know, I'd imagine at some point you could see his name continue to pop up for other head coaching positions. Now, you never know what a guy truly wants to do. Like Some guys like being coordinators. Other guys want to be head coaches. Yep. Sometimes you wait for the right position to open up, but like it's not a secret that that Lance Leipold is not like a a super young head coach. No. So and you never know how long a guy wants to coach. He's still only fifty eight, which is like he's he's still he still has plenty of years in front of him. I don't I don't want to make this yeah. seem like he's you know in his seventies and he any year now could be <laughs> retirement. Like who yeah. knows? He could coach for another 10, 12 years. He very well could. You, you yeah, never oh, know yeah. how long guys go for. Yeah. But Pete, also Pete was seventy one. What if he was like, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to build this up for five years, and then, I don't know, the Nebraska job opens back up, or I'm going to retire, or something, and then you're like, okay, Andy Kotelnicki, step right in, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that would be probably the dream scenario for, for KU football fans. That, that's, a, that's a future problem, but the point is, at least for now and for next year, you have Andy Kotelnicki, you have Kenny Logan, both great boons for KU football. Uh, by the way, Kansas sure. football, two minutes ago, tweeted in all caps, rock chalk which you might assume is reaction to the news. I'm going to take it as they listened to our show yesterday, and they are oh, claiming no, how you no, properly respond no. when somebody tells you rock chalk. No. <laughs> Completely disagree. No. 
First of all, wait a, wait a cherry pick. Well, they tweeted mm-hmm. Brock Chuck. I mean, Ooh. what else could it? We do that yesterday. They do it today. I see no other correlation they probably that tweet that could out Rock be about. Chuck all the time. Nope. They're KU football nope. or KU, the KU account. Disagree. KU plays Indiana tomorrow. Oh, yeah, they do. That happened. I forgot, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can hear it here on KLWN. Pre-game's 9.30. Tip-off is at 11 o'clock. And uh, you can hear it here on KLWN, KLWN.com. You can also hear it on our sister station, 105.9 KISS, with Brian Haney on the call of that one. There have been so many so many great Indiana memories for a lot of people. Um, you go back to the, the 1993 playing them twice in the same calendar year. You play them in the 93 NCAA tournament in the Elite Eight. You come through with the victory. That team was loaded. They had a, a, a one seed, and you upset them to go to the Final Four. I know for a lot of a lot of listeners, uh, the the 91 Elite Eight against Arkansas and the 93 Elite Eight against Indiana like can't be topped. Like those are those are some of their favorites. And then you have the the 93 94 season where you play them in December of 93. Jock Vaughn hits the shot. You win 86 83 in overtime. You have the 2016 game that went to overtime. That one didn't go KU's way, but ended up being a great season and a great team for KU with Frank Mason and Josh Jackson. So a lot of fun memories have been in this series, even though it hasn't been played a whole ton lately. And we'll have another rendition tomorrow. Two top 15 teams. We're going to actually talk about some of those past meetings and this matchup in like 25 minutes from right now by Greg Gurley. But I mean, KU has just played so well since the Tennessee game over their last three games. And I think we've been kind of pondering the question about, is it just the schedule is lightened up? Is it having the time in between games to practice? Is it having time in between games to prepare a little bit more for different teams? But now... You still do have that that time off in between. You do get a objectively very good opponent here. So this yeah. will answer whether it was schedule-based or not. And this one is different in that if you even win by a point, you're going to walk away feeling good about this Kansas team, especially after those last couple of games. Because Indiana, is a, they're a very balanced team, top 25 offense, top 25 defense, top 15 team in the country. This is a good test. For sure. And they're coming off lost Arizona, so they probably – have something that they want to prove as well for this game. And obviously, it wouldn't be a preview if we didn't talk about Trace Jackson Davis, who's their best player. He's a, he's a senior, a veteran, 6'9", right? And you figure KJ is going to match up with him to start at least. And I, I guess my question is, would we even see guys like Ernest Uday, Zuby Edgefer, or Cam Martin in this game? Like, are they even going to get on the floor? I mean, it's probably going to be KJ for the most part, and then... I guess we're, it's kind of back to that circular question of who's the first guy off the bench to try to fill that gap when KJ comes out. I don't know. So, But he, he's certainly a, a dynamic player. But the thing is, is they have size also besides him, right? They have Race Thompson, uh, who is 6'8", 235. He led Indiana in rebounding against Arizona, by the way. And so it's not like KJ is going to draw probably a defensive matchup with, with, Trace, with Trace Jackson Davis, but it's going to be – it's going to need to be other guys, right? Like, Kansas has been switching everybody, and they have that capability with, like, Kevin McCuller and Grady Dick and whatnot, but if Grady Dick gets matched up against one of these guys, that could be a pretty big mismatch, especially if they try to post up down low. So that's probably something I want to keep an eye on is how exactly does Kansas address that because it's not just, obviously, Jackson Davis is the best player for Indiana, but he's not the only guy that can post up or is kind of a big body inside. So for Kansas... How do they handle that when there's multiple of those guys on the floor? And 
you have KJ, but then your next, then you have like Jalen Wilson, right? Like how does that, how does that look defensively for KU? Yeah. And, and we've seen KU play other good big men, but none of them have been to the level of Trace Jackson Davis. And then, like you said, you added no. Race Thompson. And he doesn't, there. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have the height so much, but he definitely has the skills of, you know, a traditional big man. Yeah, he's a lefty, so he's difficult to guard in that in that way. He's 235 pounds, so he's got enough size to him. Um, you also have the quickness aspect. You had Bill Self kind of talking about, um, you know, how he has like basically as good of a second jump as Andrew Wiggins, which was quite the high praise there. I mean, he's just a very good, very skilled player, averaging over 16 points per game, like 10 rebounds a game, All-American candidate, National Player of the Year candidate. That's kind of the, the story, I think, internally for this one because it's interesting that you do have two National Player of the Year candidates going up against each other with Jalen versus Trace Jackson Davis and that whoever wins the game and if one player has a big individual performance, they're certainly going to gain – dividends from that but it feels like at least I don't know I don't know what it is maybe it's just me maybe it's here locally more of the conversation isn't about Jalen versus Trace it's just oh what can they do to stop Trace because of the fact that there is more questions about yeah. the center position no I 100% agree with that 100% agree with that it's definitely more it definitely feels like it's more of a discussion of what can these two guys each individually do for their teams as compared to like Oh, they're gonna match up inside. Like, what are they gonna? How are they gonna guard each other? Like, it's it's not, it's not an individual one one on one game, versus it's like which of these two guys is gonna do more for their team? I guess. Which obviously we know what Jalen can do, but I, rebounding has obviously been an issue for Kansas, and this is a game where even though Indiana statistically has not been a great rebounding team either, this feels like it could be a a, a game where rebounding is key, right? And if Kansas can't get can't get solid rebounding from some of those other guys, from Grady Dick, from Kevin McCuller, it could be a long game for them. Because like I said, I, I think the key here is Indiana has Trace Jackson Davis, but they have other guys with enough size that I think could cause Kansas some problems. Especially if Ernest Duday, Zuby Edgefor, Cam Martin, Zach Clements, et al. fill in the blank. Especially if none of those guys are really effective or, or even getting on the floor. Yeah, and, and I think that I've talked about this before that that with KJ, he's a really good offensive rebounder, but he struggles a bit as a defensive rebounder. His defensive rebounding rate is only 8.7%, which you might have no idea if that's good or bad. I'll just tell you this. That would be like I mean, the lowest of a Bill Self forward or center besides Clay Young dating back to 2009. So what's happened the past couple of games because KJ does so many other things well. Like, I don't want yeah. this to turn into, oh, well, they, they, then they can't play KJ. But no, KJ KJ's does everything play. else well. KJ's yeah. going to play 32 minutes. Except for minutes. shooting. Yes. He's going to play 32 yes. minutes. But what they've done to counteract it the last two games, because if you've noticed against Seton Hall, who actually was coming in a good offensive rebounding team, and Missouri against both those teams who actually was fine at it, they rebounded well. And the reason why was because the wings rebounded really well. Yes. Yeah. I think you saw earlier in the season a lot of the wings might – you know, maybe they they leaked out to get into transition, which wasn't a bad idea because it's a good transition team and, and you get out there. But I think there's that fine balance between leaking out and still trying to secure the rebound. And I think like the Seton Hall game, I think Kevin McCuller and Jalen Wilson combined for 23 rebounds. 
in the Missouri game. Grady Dick had, what, seven rebounds. Jalen Wilson had 10 rebounds. You have to get those defensive rebounds from your wings specifically because otherwise then you're basically needing KJ to do it, and that's not the strength of his game. So it has to come from the wings. Yeah, and I think for Kansas, and this is going to be the case for most games, they have they have the clear guard advantage with Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, right? So to me, I think this game comes down to what you just talked about with the rebounding defensively for Kansas and kind of if they can limit Jackson Davis enough. But then offensively, how much of a bonus does Dewan Harris give them offensively in the half court? Like what can they set up? What can they run with him in the half court? Because Indiana's tempo is a little curious, right? They they yes. aren't one of the fastest teams. They, they well, don't so play very fast, right? They do and they don't. So offensively, they play at a fast pace. Uh, you look at it overall, and Indiana ranks 147th in the country in tempo. But offensively, they are 38th. Defensively, they are 310th. Oh. I mean, it could just be that they're... So they, so they, they're content to sit in half-court defense, basically. Well, I mean, you don't really control it on the defensive side. I guess that's I, true. I don't well, think. I mean, I mean, you, I mean, to a certain standpoint, kind of, there's certain things you there, can do. Yeah, there are things you can do to speed up a team or fluster them, I guess. Like, yeah, you, you can speed a team up. You can play, you know, like a pressing style. Or on the flip side, if you play a zone defense, it's going to make things slow down. They've played some fast teams. Like, Arizona's sixth in average possession length. North Carolina's in the top 50. Xavier's in the top 20. Arkansas Little Rock's in the top 70. So it's not just that that number is being driven down by them playing a bunch of teams who play slow. That's not really the case. I think what that tells me is that they they try to put numbers back defensively to prevent you from going in transition. Which is obviously what KU is probably going to yes. want to do sometimes. So that's, that's so they where like I think, to run and they like to stop you from running. Yeah, so, so that's, that's where I think the two keys to this game is going to be the defensive rebounding aspects plus how well KU holds up inside defensively. And B, how much can how much can Dewan give you as a leader running mm-hmm. your half court offense? Like, what can he do to set up your half court offense? Yeah, and Indiana's guards are, are definitely interesting. Like Xavier Johnson is very good, their point guard, but I'm taking Dewan over Xavier Johnson. But, but none, Johnson, none of them are real scores, or none of them are real. Johnson can score a bit. He's he's getting 13 a game. He can create his own shot. He he gets five assists. He's a good defender. Uh, Jalen Hood Shafino is kind of a like boomer bust scorer, but I don't know if he's going to play or not. He's kind of yeah, he's injured. Hurt, right? He's the young yeah. freshman. Yep. And then, so even if he does play, he might be nicked up. Uh, the one interesting guy is, is their guards, Tamar Bates. He only gets like eight or nine points per game, but that's because he's kind of been pushed into being like an off guard and shooter, but he's shooting over 40% from three. They have another guard on the wing who's shooting 48% from three on high attempts. That's kind of what they do. They have like Xavier Johnson will create shots for him. Jalen Huchafino will create shots when he's healthy. Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson will dominate inside, and then they'll hope that the two wings with Tamar Bates, who actually a former Kansas kid from from Piper, um, can hit open shots for you. Like that's kind of how it works. And then they try to stop you in transition. They try to get out in transition. So from that standpoint, for KU trying to get those transition looks, making sure you get defensive rebounds. Um, I'm sure they're going to send a lot of doubles at Trace Jackson Davis. Like it won't just be KJ versus. Trace yeah. Jackson and we've Davis. seen Bill Self use that strategy before to just instantly double those guys. Mm-hmm. X Factor, though. Did you see the new KU jersey? I did. They look pretty slick. I it's love pretty them. Nice. It's it's using uh, the same. Uh, I don't. Is font the right term? I guess. Or yeah. Like script as the Payheed. Mm-hmm. Beware, Beware the, the fog, fog banner. Yep, that banner that they created mm-hmm. in the late '80s. 
So it's based on that, which yes. is is very so the, cool. Yeah. So the script, the yeah. Kansas script, is like the same as that. Yeah, it, it's almost like a variation of the circus font. You know, yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit different because it is the banner font, they look but nice, it's, it's similar-ish. Yeah, they look very they good. Look so nice. that could be a boost for KU. But yeah, it's uh, at Allen Fieldhouse. You got yeah, Bill Self. Yeah. Like, if, if you're saying it's going to be a close game and it's at Allen Fieldhouse and you have Bill Self, you feel pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not going to be attending, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, good. We were curious I about was thinking that. About it. Springer curse. I was thinking about attending the game, but <laughs> I ultimately am not going to. So, Well, that one you can hear tomorrow, pregame 930, tip-off at 11 o'clock, Kansas and Indiana. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. We have some uh, more KU football news to get to and some KU women's basketball talk. Greg Gurley is going to join the show in about 15 minutes. And right now, this is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And special guest joining us now, Greg Gurley. You'll be able to hear him on the call of the game tomorrow right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS, with pregame starting at 9.30, tip-off at 11 o'clock for Kansas, Indiana. Uh, so I want to get into the matchup here at the end, but uh, I want to kind of look back first because there have been some some fun past matchups with Indiana. Certainly the one that uh, I remember, I, I wasn't even born for the the one in 1993, was the, the 2016 one in Honolulu where uh went to overtime. Frank Mason did everything in his power to try to win the game, but in the end, I think Josh Jackson fouled out, and then Tyler Self came on for like the last possession of the game. Um, but the 93 games are ones that, for most KU fans, uh, it really sticks in your craw. And I want to start with the, the 1993 Elite Eight, so the one before you get to play him in Allen Fieldhouse and Jock hits the shot. And Indiana was the one seed. You guys win that game to go to the Final Four. What do you remember from the lead-up to the game, to the event itself, beating Bob Knight and kind of the reaction afterwards in Lawrence or, or in the locker room from, from making the Final Four by beating them in that year? Well, I'll actually go back a step. The, the Sweet 16 game was against Cal, and that was Jason Kidd, Lamont Murray, and Jared Haas. Mm. And that was a big one for us. They had gone through a bunch of turmoil at Cal with Todd Bozeman and, and their other coach. And, and so winning that game was big time. And then we get Indiana, mighty Indiana, and they were stacked. I mean, they were really, really good. And we were able to knock them off. I mean, they had Calvert Cheney, Damon Bailey. I mean, Alan Henderson didn't even play much in that game, and he was a big-time player for them. So winning that game against Indiana in St. Louis, really good crowd for us, good crowd for them at the old Checker Dome, which was not the greatest arena, but, man, it was fun uh, going uh, against Bob Knight. You know, that wasn't the first time I'd been involved in because my freshman year we played them, played them uh, – uh, twice or once my sophomore year then we played them all four years the more i think about it and uh, we had a three and one record against them and which is a nice feather in the cap and and uh, you know bob knight teams they play tons of passes a lot of screens damon bailey if you guarded him they set 47 screens every possession <laughs> for him so and same with calvert cheney so uh, I look back on it, and, and I, I, I played. I looked through the box scores of all the games I played against Indiana. I didn't play much, but I, I did have two points in that game, which makes you feel like you're really a part of it. I probably only played six, seven minutes, but it was cool. And as you look back at your career uh, of four years where we were all really good, only one time to the Final Four and no national titles. And I was a part of some really good teams, and there were some really good teams in Indiana. And they've kind of fallen off a bit in the last 10 years, let's say. But, man, you watch them now. They're good. 
I mean, they've got inside play, they got guards, they got depth, they got athleticism, and it's going to be a lot of fun in outfield house tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I wrote it down. You were a perfect one for one. Didn't miss a shot. You had a rebound as well in the 93 game. Unfortunately, the December game, so the following year, 1993, 94 season, 93 was the game in Allen Fieldhouse. Um, Jock Vaughn hits the, the shot, which at the time he's a freshman. So I, I don't know if that kind of started his legendary status, but you went 0 for 4 in that game. So I think he should actually thank you because if you go 1 for right. 4 in that game, he, he never even has the opportunity to make the shot. That's a great point, and I will bring that up. I actually talked to Jock <laughs> yesterday because they wanted uh, Jock to do a little play-by-play of the shot for social media, and he sent in a great video. But, man, I'm so proud of what Jock was and now is. I mean, as a player at Kansas and then gone on to a 10-plus year career playing in the NBA and been coaching ever since. So cool. One of the best guys ever. Got the opportunity with the Nets uh, to be the head coach, and but that shot, I remember that it was it was like right before Christmas break. So after that game, you go into Kansas City, where I'm from, and everywhere you go, we're talking about this Jock Vaughn, Jock Vaughn, and and how we we won that game. So it was it was a fun time. I love these marquee matchups when you play against other blue bloods, and I think it's safe to say they are. And uh, th- those were some memorable moments in Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, Brian Haney, your compadre for the broadcast tomorrow, we had him on the show yesterday, and he said he was, uh, I think he said he was 13 years old at the time, attended the game, and he made the declarative statement. He said, that is the loudest I have ever heard Allen Fieldhouse in a game I've been a part of. He said he was there for the, the T-Rob block in 2012. He said the Jock Vaughn shot was the one. Would you would you agree with that, or, or what other ones would you put up there? So I would probably say more recently it's been louder simply because of the speakers and the video board and all that. Now the crowd is probably about the same, but I think the 2012 Missouri game, and I've been to, I don't know, I probably have to look back and think about this. I've probably been in Allen Fieldhouse six, seven hundred times for games, maybe more over the course of 30 some odd years. Um, 2012 Missouri was ridiculous. I mean, it was it was so library quiet when we're down 19 to crazy loud on that comeback. Uh, and so, as good as that Indiana game was, as a player, you kind of you kind of block out the crowd noise to a degree. So I'm probably not the best guy to ask about that game, but but as a fan, as a broadcaster, or whatever, even with my my, my headset on. That that 2012 game was special. Yeah, and I guess that that's part of the difference is I was actually going to ask you about that. If, you know, as a player, how much you even notice the crowd noise at different points. But I, I guess Brian said the, uh, I don't know, the shot clock operator, whoever it would have been, the, the guy who did the buzzer, it was on for eight seconds long, but he forgot to turn it off. At the time, it wasn't a, a timed buzzer. So you just couldn't hear it uh, at that point, which, which would certainly speak to that. Um, just kind of one more thing from that game with Jock Vaughn. I, I know, I don't know, maybe more of a, a scoring prowess from, from Jock Vaughn and obviously not a perfect comparison, but are there certain characteristics that you would compare Dewan Harris to, to what he's doing, to what Jock Vaughn did? To a degree, yeah, because they're, they're, they're both coaches on the floor. They both were a pass-first type of point guard. 
Um, Jock was probably more of a scorer, although Jock wasn't a great scorer. I mean, Jock was a guy that made it in the NBA by being a, a role-playing point guard. Nowadays, NBA players need to be scoring point guards, or at least a lot of them are. Uh, but th- there are some similarities. I bet you DeWan's body type is a little thinner than Jock, but equally good defensively, if not better. Um, just the energy that Jock brought that he kind of led by example. DeWan's more, oh, maybe cool. Like, it just comes easy to him. He doesn't seem to get flustered. His emotions pretty much stay in check. Jock was an emotional player, which was a good thing. We fed off that emotion. So similar in some regards, and, and but equally important to, to these teams. We're talking with Greg Gurley, color analyst, former KU basketball player here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So for the matchup ahead, you mentioned some of the things you're really impressed with with Indiana. And Trace Jackson Davis, I'd, I'd imagine him versus Jalen Wilson, certainly going to be the national conversation with, with two National Player of the Year candidates. I don't know how much they'll be actually guarding each other. Uh, but do you envision KU's game plan against Jackson Davis, just kind of double-teaming him to death? Or do you think KU centers can, can kind of hold their own there? No, I probably think there's double teams coming because he is a good passer, though. So you got to be really good on the backside when you do go and double team him. Because if we don't double team, Trace Jackson's going to either score 35 points or foul out all of our big guys. And so we need to get the ball out of his hands and make others beat you, which they have guys that can beat you. But he's so good that you want to kind of force others to try to beat you, in my opinion. We'll see how uh, Bill Self does it tomorrow. But if, if last Saturday was any indication, when Kobe Brown got the ball in the post, we brought a double team. And I don't think it'll be much different with a better player in Trace Jackson. Because Kansas has really athletic, defensive players who, who have been really good at poking the ball free with like Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris, has this been one of the better double team teams, I guess, if that's the proper way to say it, that KU has had under Bill Self? Maybe. I don't think we can judge that yet. I thought we were okay against Missouri, but they didn't really post a whole lot. It's going to be an entirely different game tomorrow because they're going to play through Trace Jackson Davis. So uh, we'll find out. I mean, you get two guys on one guy, so the other three got to guard four. And it's easy math, right? But you got to be in the right spot. You have to close out properly because you're going to be kind of uh, discombobulated or chasing a little bit, and you'll be scrambled. So every situation is different. Every guy you close out on is different. So we got to play under control, play the closeout to, to, you know, do you play a guy to shoot it so you get right on them and then they drive by you? Do you play a guy who's not as good a shooter to go ahead and shoot it? So it, that's when the scouting report comes in in a big way. Have you noticed any differences or things that the team has done better over these last couple of games where they've maybe had the extra practice time in between and, you know, they've blown out, obviously, Seton Hall in Missouri, which might not be NCAA tournament teams, but, you know, they're still big six conference opponents. Like, have you noticed anything different, or is it just kind of they've just played well against lesser teams? I think, I don't know if I noticed much different. There's a little more chemistry, I guess. You know, you we lose eight guys from a national championship team, and and we get back to where, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, starting to play a little more cohesively. Uh, so I'd say that, but, you know, defensively, Obviously, Kevin McCullough and Dewan Harris are elite defenders. Jalen Wilson is right there. Can you get the other guy, 
namely Grady, can he become better defensively? And that's where I look at it, and I'm sure Bill does too, is how good is this team going to be defensively? Last year when we really turned the corner is when we became a good defensive team. Now, we got a lot of young guys. Grady's never had to play defense, so he's kind of learning on the fly. Ernest and Zuby are raw. You know, Cam Joe, Yesifu. Uh, I love when Bobby Pettiford comes in because he's so solid with the ball and on the defensive end, strong body, plays physical. So I think we can get there. And, you know, we, we kind of run out of patience, but we're only, what are we, 11 games in, 10 games in? It, it's not going to happen overnight, but I do think we're getting better on the defensive end of the floor. As far as the bench goes, they, they haven't had a ton of production this season from that end of things. Is, is there a player or two that uh, you think does still have potential to kind of impact things off the bench and, and maybe give them more than they're getting right now? Well, the two main guys are going to be Bobby and Joe. Joe's more of a scorer. Bobby's more of a facilitator, but he can he can definitely score the ball, but he's always looking to pass. Joe's looking to shoot. Um, and then the freshman, you know, it's going to have to be MJ, Zuby, and Ernest have to get more comfortable. And Bill has to gain more trust in them to get them on the floor in times that, you know, quality minutes. And the one guy I haven't mentioned yet is Zach Clemens, and we've seen nothing from Zach. I mean, he's struggled. Let's be honest, he's he struggled. And and Zach's a guy that can provide some scoring punch. He's just got to see that ball go through the hoop. He's, what is he, 0 for his last 13 or something from the three-point line. But he's a good shooter. But it's hard when you're a star, and then you get here and you get two minutes. And if you go in there and you don't make a shot, you may not get two more minutes. And so – Coming from a guy like me that was a shooter, it's difficult to do. Some guys are better than others at at taking advantage of their situation. Right now, Zach got to find that magic. Is there a player who you think has to? I mean, outside of the obvious one, which would be like Jalen Wilson or Dwan Harris, uh, is there a player maybe you think could be the X factor for the game tomorrow that, that has to play well for Kansas to come out on top? Well, this is a star-powered game. I mean, it's it's you look at the star for us is Jalen Wilson. You look at Trace Jackson Davis. So those guys, I think, are going to get theirs. Jalen had the quietest 24 I've ever seen against Missouri, but he had 24. Probably going to be pretty similar with Trace Jackson Davis. So what I really look for is who is that dark horse? Probably going to be Grady Dick. If Indiana loses guys and they lose Grady Dick, he can make you pay. The key for them is don't let them get the ball. And when teams have done a good job of that, then you've got to defer to another guy. Is that Kevin? Is that Dewan? Who is it KJ with 19 the other day? So I didn't really answer your question, but it all depends on Indiana's ability to guard and who they decide to guard on who's going to hurt you. Because you can take Grady Dick out of the game, but that opens up lanes for others. He is Greg Gurley. You can hear him on the call tomorrow with the Jayhawk Radio Network, and you can hear that here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Greg, appreciate the time. Before we let you go, favorite holiday treat? Uh, my mother-in-law makes these. They're kind of called like Hello Dollies. It's got coconut and butterscotch and chocolate. So uh, Hello Dollies. Or my mom makes these peanut butter balls just – just a, like a golf ball size of peanut butter dipped in fudge. Yep. So there you go. Yep, that's that's mine as well. Well, Greg, appreciate the time. Have fun on the call tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks. That was Greg Gurley, color analyst for the KU basketball team. Again, you can hear him on the call tomorrow. Uh, it'll start at 11 o'clock pregame, 930 here on KLWN.
KLWN.com, the KLWN app, as well as our sister station, 105.9 KISS. We got KU Women's Basketball on the airwaves tonight, pregame 645, tip-off at 7 o'clock. We also have high school hoops on the airwaves. Sam Speck and Craig Hershiser will be on the call of that over on our other sister station, 92.9 The Bowl and Bowl929.com with pregame for the Lawrence High girls game at 520, tip-off 530, and then the Lawrence High boys game will tip off a little bit after that, approximately 7, 730, somewhere in that range for the uh, opener of our high school basketball season. One hour down, two to go here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to preview the Chiefs game. We have our Bowls of KU football passed, moving up into the 1992 Aloha Bowl. We've got our uh, game picks, sports stock market, Rock Chalk Pickahawk, all that still to come on this edition of RCST. We'll be back after this timeout. Four o'clock hour here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. We're going to get to our game picks. We've got our bowl games of KU football passed into the 1995 Aloha Bowl. Or 1992, I'm sorry. We got double Aloha Bowls. 95 will be on Monday. Sports stock market, top of the five o'clock hour, and another edition of Rock Chuck Pickahawk as well. Some news from the MLB front. Eric Hosmer, whose entire contract is being paid by the Padres, has been designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox, it is only a matter of time, I feel like, before he's back on the Royals. Wait, he plays for the Red Sox now? Not anymore. Oh. But yes, he would have. I didn't even know that. He did at the end of last year because he was traded from the Padres. They needed to clear up cap or something to because of... somebody? Yeah, to, no, to make the trade for uh, Juan Soto. Um, if he gets huh. out, I mean... If Why he's not? just available for... Why not actually, bring I guess Dayton Moore isn't there anymore, so maybe it won't happen. Oh, I guess that's true. Why not bring him back, though? Because they already have so many guys who need to play at first. No, they do. They have a lot of guys. Like, you do understand like Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn needs to play. Oh, gosh. They need to play? <laughs> Are you looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio has you covered. They are located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans on Sunday at noon. And this is a game that it's hard to to get up for. It's hard to get excited for. <laughs> the Texans come into this one with one win, 11 losses, and one tie. Hey, don't overlook that one tie. Wasn't that the season opener? It was to a team that beat the Chiefs, the Colts. Those are really? Yes. Yeah, by the, the way, what's, if, if the Texans end up winning this game, then clearly the AFC South owns Kansas City. Because the Colts beat the Chiefs, the they didn't. The Titans didn't beat the Chiefs. The, they the covered Jaguars. the spread. Didn't the Jags cover the spread too? No, they didn't. I thought the Chiefs are. Are we sure? I'm. I'm pretty confident. I'm not. Chiefs beat them twenty six to ten or whatever. No, it was like twenty seven seventeen. I thought the spread was ten and a half. I think the spread was nine. Okay, so maybe they're okay. They don't. They're not in danger of being owned by the AFC South. Well, if they lose to the Texans, they have bigger problems <laughs> yeah. than being owned by the AFC South. Yeah. I mean, my God. I wouldn't yeah. be here on Monday. Well, the Texans, yeah, they they just haven't been very good. Weirdly enough, though, and this is kind of a... They're coming off their best game. Yeah, this is kind of a point to just the NFL in general with it being professionals. They almost and probably should have beaten Dallas. But you could also say for a team who has struggled this much and is not very good... They're also decimated by injuries coming into the game against the Chiefs. But for a team who had a performance like that who's not very good... A lot of times there's a reason they're not very good, and it's that they can't string performances like that together. <laughs> so that should make it feel like they're not going to play like that against the Chiefs, 
But also, we have seen the Chiefs kind of play with their food a lot. But Damian, Damian Pierce, their running back, is out. Yeah, he's really good. Too. Brandon Cooks out. Nico Collins out. Derek Stingley, their top one of their top corners, high draft pick out. So they're they're banged up. You ready for Rex Burkhead time? Oh, I'm very ready for Rex Burkhead. He's probably going to get like two touchdowns. The Texans do the thing that you see sometimes in college where they uh, they rotate quarterbacks right now. At least that's what they did last week. Yeah, they have uh, Jeff Driscoll and... The yeah. other guy. It's not Davis Mills. Um, what happened to Davis he got Mills? benched, I thought. Oh. Maybe it is Davis Mills. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. The Texans, it's... This tells you how much preparation went into uh, us previewing I'm the not Texans. like I'm not going to go back and like watch film. Oh, Kyle Allen. Or is it Davis Kyle Mills? Kyle still in the league? Know. Yeah. On the Texans. Oh. Did you know Rex Burkhead taught me football when I was a youngster? Taught you football? I mean, like sort of. Specifically? Sort of. He, uh, he, where I grew up in Texas, he was from there, and he was a few years older than me. And they had, like, at the beginning of the football season, they had a bunch of the players, like the, the you know, 11, 12-year-olds, whatever, teach the younger kids they, they had them do like a basically a camp like you're going through different drills and they're you know teaching yeah. you different things yeah rex burkhead was one of those players did not rub off okay wow. <laughs> so anyway rex burkhead is that guy that's like he's on the waiver wire in fantasy the whole season and then like one week some team picks him up and that one week they pick him up he scores like 30 that's who he is so you hope this isn't the week it very well could be but yeah, I mean, how many times have we said this before? This game, or how competitive it is, just comes down to how serious the Chiefs take the game. <laughs> We've done that like five times this year. I mean, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think, okay, so there's different scales here, right? There's okay. the scale of, again, like the, to use that term, the Chiefs play with their food, right? Um, Where okay. it's like, almost like a Broncos, I guess... I don't like know, maybe Rams that's a different game. scale. The Rams game, they, no, got, they no, got the red no, zone no, six I was going to get to that. Uh, so you have like the, the Chiefs scale where it's like they play with their food in the Colts game, and they mess up and lose. Then you have the next scale, which is the Broncos game, where it's like you get up big, but then you let them back into it, and now we have a game late. Okay. Then you have the Rams one where it's like, yeah, they never really like played their A game or hit overdrive, but... You beat them by 16 points. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you scored one touchdown and six. I know, but they beat them by 16 points, and they covered the. Uh, did they cover the? Spread? They covered the spread. Yeah. Okay. They did. I think it was like 15 that game. Yeah, they did. It, it was close, but they covered. And then you have the next level, which is like, no, you actually just blow them out. Where on this list of Chiefs playing a worse be, opponent? Th- this is going to be just like the Jaguars game. I guess that one was on there somewhere too. That one would probably the be Jaguars game. Is it's in between. The Broncos and, and the Rams. The Rams. Also, Jaguars might be actually okay. Where the Chiefs are gonna they're gonna dominate, but it's gonna be like thirteen to three at halftime. And then you know, it's never the game's never gonna be in doubt, but also the Chiefs are just gonna win by fourteen points. I yeah, I see this. It's like seventeen to seven at half, like you said, like thirteen to three, something like that. Literally yeah. the Jaguars game, it was twenty to seven at half. I think. Or it might have been 20-0. to zero. I think the spread's 14. I would be taking the Chiefs with the spread. I do think this is a game that it is going to be kind of a sleepy, boring game. But I don't think it's going to be the same as the Broncos where it's like, oh, but they have the ball with four minutes left with a chance to take the lead. Oh, no. I'm not predicting that. Yeah. I'm um, not predicting that. Which, by the way, every time I have predicted that, it's been right. The Titans. And you're not predicting it this Broncos, time, which is good. I'm not predicting it this time. I don't think that's good. I think, I'm telling you, it's going to be just like the Jaguars game. 
It's going to be 20 to 7, 17 to 7 and a half. The Chiefs are going to dominate the entire half, but then the Texans are going to score late and they'll be like, oh, it might be a game. It might be a game. And they're going to win by, you know, double digits, whatever. Well, you would think this should be a nice stat padding game for Patrick Mahomes, MVP candidacy out there. Okay. You know what that made me think about? Hmm. Made me think about how I think we do this more at the college level with like CJ Stroud, for instance, where he was like a Heisman candidate, but everyone's like, well, dude, they didn't play anybody. Like, you know, he's he's playing against nobodies. If Mahomes throws for 400 yards and five tuds against the Texans, everyone's going to be like, wow, Mahomes MVP. But nobody's going to be like, well, he didn't play. He did it against yeah. a team that sucks. It's just because that makes sense. Yeah, it's just because, I mean, the worst NFL team is closer to the best NFL team than like even the 20th <laughs> best college team is to the best college football team. You know what I mean? No, that I makes sense. Yeah, I understand the sentiment. I think it's just funny. But yeah, no, that that is a good point. How, how we discussed between those two, but yeah, it is an opportunity to do that and kind of bounce back from the but Broncos. Also, game. defense, please. Yes, show me something, just, right? Please, I'm just gonna say defense, please, and you can just use your imagination. Go from there, defense, please. Yes, <laughs> you know, just you can give up points. Doesn't have to be a perfect game. Tackle well. Because that's the thing. Like I, the I, Texans, remain, I remain convinced that people are overreacting to the Broncos game about the defense. I think the defense is still pretty fine. We'll see, man. It hasn't but looked very good. If the Texans roll out yes. there and put up even like 21, 28, <laughs> I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to be hard pressed to continue to defend my stance that the Chiefs are fine. Of course. Or the defense specifically is fine. Yes, of course. But if they but if but if they put up twenty one twenty four and again it's Mahomes throwing two interceptions or whatever turnovers from the Chiefs, then I'll I'll maintain my take of the Chiefs defense is fine. I I do have worries about the defense. This I think should be a fine game. A lot of those worries have been in regards to missing tackles. And I don't look at anybody on the Texans offense and being like that dude just makes you miss all the time. Without Damian Pierce, that's not really the case. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, I got some fun prop bets for the game. I'm all ears. These are just created by me. These are not. Oh, these are not like Vegas based. Oh, oh. So this is the Derek Johnson. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I was going to have over under 0.5 touchdowns from McColl Tony combined, but I think I McColl's think either, just back at practice, not playing. Yeah, I don't think either one of them are going to play. Yeah, I don't think Tony is going to play. Which, back to your idea, just rest him. No need to play him for this game. Sure. Sure. And side note, before I get into prop bets, what? I hope this is an opportunity for them to play a lot more of their other players that they might not. Like who? Well, I, I guess that's more? not way, the good way of putting it. Ronald Jones? Make them more featured. Yeah, like like this should be a game where it's like, hey, maybe we don't need to have Jer- Jet McKinnon take 10 hits this game or have Isaiah Pacheco have 20 carries. Like, you know, maybe they just get a few touches. Maybe Ronald Jones can take some of that load this game. But it's not like Pacheco's been getting him. a ton of touches anyways. Getting like 13 to 20. All right, if Pacheco has eight this game... And Jet, instead of having four catches and three runs, has, you know, one catch, one run, just to to make him have a, a little more fresh legs down the stretch. And, and you give Ronald Jones more run in a game like this, like, sure, go for it. Uh, but, yeah, over under Patrick Guaranteed Mahomes. Ronald Jones has zero carries because you just said that. 
Probably. Over under three and a half Patrick Mahomes total touchdowns. Under easily. What if it was two and a half? Maybe still under. Mm. Well, okay, no. That's BS, though. You can't just... <laughs> you're making the lines. You can't just be like, well, I'm just going to change it until I get it to where uh, you might switch your pick. <laughs> I'm not actually... You're not being charged money here. Well, no, but like, you're, that's the principle of the thing. You set the line. No, I, just, I gave you an answer. You can't just be like, "Well, what if it was? That, what if I actually said it at this number instead? What would you do?" No, that's not how these work. Hey, I'm just, I'm just trying that's to find how where works. that line is. I think I'll take over two and a half. Yeah, to get four, that's tough. Okay, well, you didn't even pick two and a half. Well, okay, okay, uh, you have three and a half. Hypothetically, okay, well, stick to your. Would guns it make here. you Come feel on. better if I just wrote it on the Google Doc that we have our show rundown? What do you mean? If I wrote over under two and a half Patrick Mahomes touchdowns? Well, no, I don't care what number you pick. Just stick to the number. Okay. Don't just be like, whatever I say, like, I'll just, whatever I say, then don't just be like, well, actually, what if it was this number? Would you still do it then? Like, no, that doesn't make any sense. I'm just finding where the line is, making discussion, <laughs> seeing where you would go. Over under two and a half times Isaiah Pacheco gets smacked and quickly pops up and sprints away. Over easily again. Over. 100%. This will be, this will be like five times. Okay. What about five and a half? Yeah, I'm over over that still, yeah. Okay. Over under .5 time management mess-ups from Andy Reid. Uh, over, easily. Chiefs what are about gonna be one up, and a half? Chiefs are going to be up like 13 to 3. They're going to have the ball with like 50 seconds left. Chiefs are going to have two timeouts. They're going to throw it in the middle of the field, and they're just going to waste 20 seconds for fun because Andy's dumb. And then uh, Mahomes will do the thing where he's like, Give me a play. Give me a play. And then they'll, you know, whatever. I don't know. I think I might actually take the under on this one just because I, I'm not sure they'll be in that situation where it'll have to apply. Oh, he'll find a way regardless of what regardless of what the score is. He'll find a way. Easy over. Over under one and a half times that Andy Reid does not go for it on fourth down and two or less. Okay, I'm taking the under here solely because I just pray that the Chiefs don't get in those situations enough times where this can be a factor. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're playing the Texans, dude. You should not be getting in that situation. Just get the first. First of all, just get the first down. I'll take the over. Just get the first down. Over for sure. Over under .5 revenge team interception. So we would have had Steven Nelson on here too, but Traymond Smith, former Chief, is on the Texans. Justin Reed, former Texan, is on the Chiefs. So is Steven Nelson in action? No, he's out. Or? He's out. Oh, yeah. he's out. Okay. Uh, I'll go under. I don't think Justin Reed's capable of catching a football. <laughs> Do the one? Wait, no. I thought that was McDuffie last week, where it hit his helmet. No, that was McDuffie. It yeah. was McDuffie that hit him, but hit his helmet. But the point still stands on Justin Reed. Also, has so Justin Reed just, had an interception? I don't think so. Have the Chiefs had an interception? <laughs> I couldn't like tell forever you. Forever ago, doesn't it? I couldn't tell you. I'm sure there's one there. Oh, I guess. History. I guess they had no. Like Jerry Sneed had an interception against the Broncos. They literally had a. Yeah, Willie Gay had a pick six too. Which, oh. Which, okay, my bad. But outside of that, outside never of happened. that, yeah. it never happens. <laughs> Except for the two times it happened just last week. Mm -hmm. Never happens. Well, but okay, but those weren't like, let me see if I can make this make sense. <laughs> I don't think you can. They, they weren't like, uh, you know, your typical interceptions. Like the Logerius Seed one was okay. like, he got batted in the air and he intercepted it. Uh huh. And the Willie <laughs> one was like, he got. He was he was he was rushing the quarterback and he tipped it up there to himself. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like Russell Wilson threw it and like the guy <laughs> intercepted it. I'll give you an A for effort. <laughs> does that make any sense? But no, no, oh. it does not. Damn. Uh, that's our uh, Chiefs Texans preview. A lot of in depth analysis. Chiefs by twenty five. Houston. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Back to our uh, KU Bowls of 
Bowls of KU Pass. I don't know why the I can never get this right. Bowls of KU <laughs> Christmas Pass. 1992 Aloha Bowl. Next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have our game picks coming up in our next segment. We've got sports stock market, the five o'clock hour, some more KU basketball talk a little bit after that. Continue on with our bowls of KU past on to the 1992 Aloha Bowl. I'd be all about that bowl game in Hawaii. Let's that would do be it. awesome. Yeah, They still have the Hawaii Bowl now, but that's always like, I feel like now it's like Mountain West versus... Sunbelt or something. We need to get yeah, I don't think it's Big 12 well. back involved with the Aloha Bowl or the Hawaii well, Bowl. Okay, now. but you understand how difficult it Like, we have to get the Big 12 back involved, mm-hmm. and then KU has to get picked for that bowl. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Just make it a uh, so make it, multiple. Make, make it the college football playoff national title because KU will be in that soon with Lance Eipold. No, they will. Year. Next year. They'll be, in the, they'll be in the playoffs for sure. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Um, So, 1992 season. If you remember, the the last bowl we discussed was the 1981 Hall of Fame Classic. And there was a bit of a drought. Another another 14-year drought. Or no. 11. Wait. How did you come up with 14? You got 1995 written here. It's 1992. Where did I write 1995? On the thing I'm looking at on the... the, What do you mean? It says 1995 Aloha Bowl right there. Oh, wait. (laughs) No. Okay. All right. My... Apologies. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for the apology. It does say 995, though, but you're right. That's the next one. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. Got a little ahead of us. On Monday. Yeah. I mean, Monday. Start doing some early prep on that one. Okay. Yeah. So 1992, they had an 11 year bull drought. Kansas had just two six win seasons between 1982 to 1991. So why did they not get bowls? Are we still going to be asking where there's just not enough bowls? Just not enough bowls. And they were slowly adding more more bowls. bowls. Um, but get they the, were building. Get the get the the bad boy mowers bowl in the nineties. Come on, <laughs> did not exist in the nineties. Just a complete guess, probably. I'm assuming it didn't. Yeah. Uh, so they went six and five in 1991. So they didn't make a bowl game, but clearly they were building. Had a lot of players come back. Exciting to see what they could do. Glenn Mason was the head coach for Kansas. Now he was in his fifth season at the helm. And they opened the season with a 3-0 start. They beat Oregon State 49-20 on the road in Corvallis. They beat Ball State 40-7, and then they beat Tulsa. I'm sorry, they beat Ball State 62-10, and then Tulsa was 40-7, which got them into the rankings, too. They were ranked 24th at that time. And then they had to play a Thursday night game on the road against Cal. They lost 27-23. And... Unfortunately, that Cal team did not end up being very good. Otherwise, it could have been an even better season. Um, but they bounced back the next week, 31-7 to victory over Kansas State. That sucks, Kansas State. And that popped them back into the rankings. You know so what like, I love about this? Hmm. Every single year we do this, KU beats K-State. I know. It's like, in most of the years, they've beaten Missouri. It's literally awesome. So Kansas is ranked 25th. They're 4-1. and one, And then they win three more games. They beat Iowa State in a doozy 50 to 47 in Ames. Good lord. 27 to 10 against Oklahoma. Well, okay, but wasn't this the time period where Oklahoma was actually kind of bad for a few years? Yes, the 90s were not Oklahoma I mean until the late 90s. But the 90s were one of yeah, Oklahoma's like more down years. decades. Yeah. 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 So they beat them 27 to 10, then they beat Oklahoma State 26 to 18. They gave them four wins in a row. They were 7 and 1. They were ranked 13th in the AP poll. So now they're flying high and they're like, "Man, yeah. oh yeah." 
We were going to, to one of the New Year's Bowl games. The Hawks are cooking. And then they got humbled. Top 10 Nebraska team in Lincoln beat them 49-7. to Oh. <laughs> that kind of sucks. That kind of sucks. <laughs> they did almost bounce back the following week to get a big win. They played number 13 Colorado. I mean, just a, a very difficult end to the schedule. But they lost 25-18. to And then this is one of the times they did lose to Missouri and make it a bowl game. Lost 22-17 to to Missouri. So they went from winning four straight, getting ranked 13th, they're 7-1, and one, looking at a tough three-game schedule to finish, but they're like, you know, if we can just win one of the last three even, we're going to be ranked, we're going to be going to a, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. So For they sure. end up unranked, losing the last three. They still made a bowl game, though. Pain. One win improvement still from the yeah. year before. Yeah. And for the season, KU wound up scoring 31 points per game. That was the strength of the team. They were 10th in the nation, which that's funny to look back on. That And that's not like one of these where it's, oh, this is 1960. And, you know, this is, <laughs> it's it's a bit ago, but 1992, that's 30, 30 years, years ago, ago, right? That's yeah. not like an insane amount of time. I mean, it's 30 years. I know, but like, that is... But you're right. It wasn't. It wasn't like they were running HB Divers. That's ten play. years away from Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not like the '40s and '50s where they were running HB right. Dive every play. Yeah, right. No, and that was tenth in the nation. And now, if you average 31 points per game, you're like 50th in the country. Yeah, just crazy. Yeah. So Chip Hillary had over 1,500 passing yards, 12 scores, 537 more on the ground, six more touchdowns there. He was good quarterback for him. Maurice Douglas had almost 900 yards, 12 rushing scores. You had on the defensive side, I don't know if Charlie Bowen is related to Clint Bowen. I just like to think he is because the C. Bowen, I don't know if that's C true Bowen. or not. Um, but Kwame Lasseter, Kwame Lasseter Sr., they each had uh, four oh, interceptions. That, that's his dad, right? Yeah, okay. that is. They gave up 22 points per game. That was top 50 in the country. And again, like now, if you give 22, you're like top 30. Yeah. So they get invited to the Aloha Bowl. It was played on Christmas Day of 1992. I'm so glad this year's bowl is not on Christmas Day. But counterpoint, if you got to go to the to the bowl in Hawaii and spend your Christmas in Hawaii, uh, it's pretty good. I know. I want to take that I over want, a white Christmas. I'd rather Christmas. have Christmas, you know, be a day with my family. My family. My family. <laughs> Me and my family <laughs> down here in Baton Rouge. He goes to he goes out of this. We got so sidetracked here, but he goes to Hawaii <laughs> and he's just like, Aloha. What? Who? <laughs> Brian Kelly. Oh, Brian Kelly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aloha. Okay. So I too am an islander. <laughs> yes, I can do the Hawaii dance. Wait, the, uh, what's that? I'm blanking. The uh, hula. The hula. Wait, is that right? The hula. <laughs> I think so. I don't okay. know why I couldn't think of that. The hula. By the way, there's a bowl game going on right now, and I think it's UTSA just madness. had their seventh turnover. Yeah, they they just threw a pick and at the goal line, and Troy that ran can't it back be right. twenty. I think they showed a graph. I don't know. Maybe I read the graphic wrong. Either way, there are a bunch of turnovers in this game, and it's disgusting. Anyway, yeah. uh, Aloha Bowl. Okay, focus. Day. Kansas was playing BYU. BYU's quarterback was Tom Young, who was actually the younger brother of Steve Young. Wow, that's kind of cool. That is their cool. original starter got injured in their finale. And Tom Young had to start for him. And uh, Nick, what do you always say about returning the opening kick? Dude, you should not return kickoffs. Uh, one of two things happens. Either one, you suck and you get tackled at the 15. Or two, you suck and you get tackled at the 15 and your team holds. Because it's all special teams players. BYU ran back the opening kick for a 94-yard touchdown. 
well, we just got to get a better kicker. Kick it. <laughs> I mean, you only got it to the six. Kick it at least to the goal line, dude. Come on, man. Uh, Kansas did score two plays later. Matt Gay caught a pass from Chip Hiller. So we had the bowl game earlier. I forget which bowl it was. If it was the Bonnet Bowl, uh, maybe. Yeah, where they, they ran the option and they pitched yes. it and they said it was a forward They scored pitch. a touchdown on like their first play, but they said it was a forward lateral. So yep. they, they yep. marked it back. Yep. Actually it was the uh it was it was one of the ones with Nolan Cromwell, so it would have been in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this maybe was the reverse of KU losing out on that because it was ruled a lateral from Chip Hillary. Um and then they hit a, a wide open Rodney Harris for a seventy four yard touchdown so, pass. Were they running like the option? That's what I don't understand. The way this is written, it says Kansas receiver Matt Gay caught a pass that was ruled a lateral from quarterback Chip Hillary and hit a wide open Rodney Harris for a seventy four yard touchdown pass. Do you think so, it was like a, a wide receiver? Oh uh, yeah, I think it was pass. one of those double reverse passes, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, double passes. Where yeah, he yeah. throws it behind the line of scrimmage. But it's like you have to sometimes yeah. it's kind of close. No, that makes sense. It says replays showed that the first pass was in fact two yards forward, which would have made oh, yeah. the play illegal. Oh, so well, KU got lucky here, but okay, they've yeah. been screwed in a lot of other bowl games. But dude, so again, let it pass. how are you supposed to tell whether the ball went forward or not on eight bit grainy? Yeah, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, terrible yeah, cassette I don't know if I'd buy that. cassette tape replay. Yeah, no, that's a good call. KU ends call up getting the safety. They go up nine seven, but they actually were down fourteen to twelve at the half. And that could have been worse. BYU missed two field goals in the first half. So, two-point game. College kickers, man. BYU scored in the fourth quarter. And I don't know if this was – because if this was the case, they're kicker, man. That's that's a tough day. Um, they ended up not the getting too. more – I don't know if they missed the PAT or went for two and didn't get it. I would imagine they kicked the PAT because the PAT would have made it a two-score game. But it's 1992 pre-analytics. Maybe they were like, let's just go for two and make it a three – They get a ten-point ten game, game. More yeah. of a round number. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, they didn't get it, and that kept it a one-score game. Hillary led a six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive that ended with a rushing touchdown from him, then a two-point conversion, tied the game at 20. KU makes a stop. They go on a seven-minute drive (laughs) that ends with a Dan Nycloth 48-yard game-winning field goal. Kansas wins 23-20. They end the season 8-4. They get their first bowl game victory in 31 years. And Dana Stubblefield won the game's MVP. KU sacked BYU six times. He had three of them. Now, Stubblefield so, is is kind of a sad story. Um, ended up being like a first-round pick, really good football player, but all sorts of off-the-field trouble. He's uh, actually currently in jail for for some bad stuff that, that we don't need to get into. But oh. uh, Kansas would return to the same bowl, which would be their next bowl appearance three years later in 1995. There we go. Back-to-back Aloha Bowls. And the 95 won... So what you're that telling was a heck me, of a team. So what you're telling me is Tom Young not as good as Steve Young. Yes. Tom Young not as good as Steve Young. Though the jury is out, you know. You never know. I mean, well, I'm sure it's I'm how sure many Aloha Bulls did Steve Young well, play in? I'm I don't sure know. it's concluded now that Tom Young is unequivocally. He could come worse. back. No. <laughs> could he? No. Why he's not? Gotta be like in Tom his, Brady's like forty five. He's gotta be in like his fifties. Right? Major setback, minor cut. No, I, I said that wrong. Minor, minor, minor setback, setback, major comeback. Major oh, comeback. my. Oh, my. Okay. You're done. He's We're Nick done. Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Game picks next. 
Game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. That time on a Friday for our game picks of the week with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Nick has gone 67, 80, and 4 on the season. He is 82, 92, and 6 with locks. I am 70, 77, and 4 on the year. 81, 94, and 4 with locks. All right. Let's start up in college football where Nick went 3-2 and two last week. He is 34-47 and 47 on the year. I went 4-1 and one last week. I'm 35-46 and 46 on the year. Cincinnati versus Louisville. The Cardinal Louisville. Cardinals are giving Louisville. up two. All right, there's two ways you can look at this, Derek. Scott Satterfield leaves Louisville, goes to Cincinnati. You can look at it as Louisville is going to be totally disheartened. Cincinnati is going to have all the advantage. They're going to blow them out. Or you could say, well, Louisville's going to be pissed off that their coach left to Cincinnati. They're going to try to beat him, right? And this is a rivalry game also, right? Yeah. So anything could happen. I think it's going to be Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's just going to beat them, beat them bad. Give me Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm picking Louisville in this one because I am going with the revenge factor of the players being – because that that's always a part of trying to figure out different bowl games, right? It's – Yeah. Who is the more motivated team? Like, that can be part of it. And – that would certainly motivate the team, I would imagine. But I am worried because what if Scott Satterfield comes over to Cincinnati and he's just like, here's our playbook. Here's everything we do. Exactly. You know, so that's not good. But I am going Louisville. Motivated. Florida okay. taking on 14th-ranked Oregon State, minus 10. Anthony Richardson's not playing. I'm taking Oregon State. It's minus 10. And I know that Oregon State doesn't have the most explosive offense in the world, but give me Oregon State. I'm going Florida. I think Oregon State wins the game. I am worried that Florida's a bit depleted. Yeah, no Anthony Richardson. They had a lot of players transfer Probably out. Guys, yeah. I just I, I think they keep it close. I mean, let's let's not forget they beat Utah. And Utah won the Pac twelve, which is what Oregon State. They beat State Utah is four months ago. Still beat them. Four months ago. Still beat them. Give me a break. Washington State versus Fresno State. Bulldogs minus four. Okay, I got to ride with Washington State here. Got to ride with my boy, Cam Ward. Although, Washington State offensive coordinator, Eric Morris, is gone. He's not the offensive coordinator anymore there. So, I don't know if how much that will factor into the bowl game, but I'm still riding with I got to ride with my boys. Give me Washington State. I love the over in this game. Two explosive offenses, like, Jake Hayner. That's not the pick. Cam Ward. I know. I'm just, side note, okay. high-scoring game. I'm going to go Washington State. I think they keep it close or come out with the victory. There we go. SMU, minus four versus BYU. Okay, this is the one pick that I like. Don't really have any idea what to go with on. I'm gonna go with SMU. I think they have a high-scoring offense, and BYU has disappointed me time and time again this season. So screw you, BYU. Give me SMU. So it doesn't sound like Jaron Hall, who's the good dual-threat quarterback for BYU, is gonna play. And he's kind of dealt with injuries throughout the season. They've been a lot worse when he has not been the starting quarterback. Don't expect him to play against SMU. I'm taking SMU, minus four. Baylor, minus five and a half, taking on Air Force. Okay, so the obvious concern here for Baylor is you're playing a triple option team. But you've had a whole month, basically, to prepare for that triple option team, essentially. So I'm going to pick Baylor here. 
they certainly are the more talented team. Certainly are the better team. It's just a matter of how much that triple option is going to out like counter that stuff. But like I said, you've had literally three weeks, almost a month, to prepare for it. So I'm going to take Baylor. I'm going to go Baylor, too, for that reason. And Dave Aranda is such a good defensive coach that I think he'll be able to scheme it up right. This does worry me a little bit. Back to the idea of sometimes you have questions about how motivated a team's going to be. If you're Baylor, you just won the Big 12 last year. You won the Sugar Bowl. Yep. Now you're 6-6 six and six and playing in whatever bowl this is against Air Force. <laughs> and no-name bowl. Yes. And now you're playing a team that's just going to cut block you all day. That would be really annoying. Yes. So there is a worry for me that Air Force is going to just care way more and Baylor's not. But I do think because of Baylor's speed and defensive acumen and then Baylor's speed on offense that Air Force isn't going to be able to keep up with. Give me the Bears. Your lock of the week where you were 9-6. and six. All right. Uh, so first, before I get to it, this game that I picked is my lock. It's on Monday afternoon. Is that accessible? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just as long as it's between. So basically, these game picks are from now till next Thursday. Okay. So as long as okay, they're not so next Friday. This is Monday afternoon. I don't even know what bowl it is. UConn plus 10 versus Marshall. Think about it. UConn is a team that has Eric barely Gilliard. even existed mm-hmm. like two years ago. And now they have Eric they went, they, they couldn't even win a game. They couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. And now they have Eric Gilliard. Yes, thank you. Thank oh, you by the way, they that. have Eric Gilliard. Oh, did I mention? Eric Gilliard. They have Eric Gilliard. <laughs> Plus 10, UConn. They got everything to play for because they're a team that used to be terrible. And now they have Eric Gilliard. And now they have Eric Gilliard. Give me UConn. Plus 10. <laughs> I like that one, though, because, I mean, super motivated. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, after beating Notre Dame, just kind of disappeared Went, for a bit. But yeah, then they finished. became really okay. bad. Yeah. I'm just 6-9 on locks of the week. I'm going to go Washington State, Fresno State over 53. I mentioned it earlier. You have two dynamic quarterbacks, Cam Ward for Wazoo, Jake Hayner for Fresno State. Fresno really hit a stride. Washington State's defense was pretty good over the course of the season, but they got kind of beat up by Washington in the uh, finale in the Apple Cup. I want to say they gave up over 50 points in that game. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, it was 51-33. to And Washington's head coach, Kalen DeBoer, just last year, was the head coach of Jake Hayner at Fresno State. Oh. They run a lot of the similar things. Okay. Maybe that actually helps Washington State because they get it on tape and now get a chance to prepare for it. Like, yeah. you know, when, when KU dealt with the, the up-tempo against OU. Sure, um, yeah. sure. But yeah, I like the over there, 53. Okay. On to the NFL, where last week you went 3-2. and two. You were exactly 500. 33-33-4. and four. I have tanked the last few weeks in the NFL. One and four last week. I'm down to yeah, 35 and 31. Yeah, to be like five or six picks ahead of me. Yeah. You've made a comeback. Catching up. This is a uh, Saturday night football game. Could be a lot of snow. Miami at Buffalo, minus yeah, seven. Yeah, I think the original forecast was like nine inches. Now it's up to like almost three feet, I think, possibly Whew. forecasted on Saturday night. So I'm going to take Buffalo. I think I think Mike McDaniel's going to get clowned on for wearing the, oh, it should be colder here shirt. He's going to get dunked on. Buffalo's going to win. If I was a Miami fan or, or in, like, the Miami front office or something, I'd be so mad that, like, oh, the Bills had the earlier game moved to Detroit because of the snow, and now we're projected. Well, that was, like, six feet. You said it was going to be, like, three feet. Yeah, that's half. That's still a lot. No. That's enough that you can manage, mm. I think. I don't know. I don't know. They I'm can't move, Buffalo, They can't though. move it now. The game is tomorrow night. Yeah. The, the one thing that gets me is that they actually say that sometimes in the snow, it's it's the wind that'll get you. The wind causes the issues. But in the snow, no, a lot the of snow times the offensive player can actually have the advantage. Because for one, like the pass rush, 
it's hard to get like a quick get off. No, I understand. And then as a, if you know what route you're running, I definitely think the snow is like can be an equalizer. So like, what if Tyreek Hill has like 300 yards? He could, maybe. But I, I do think Buffalo. I just, yeah. I just recall the only thing that makes me think of that. I just recall the Lions played the Eagles in like 2007 or eight or whatever, and there was like a foot of snow, and Calvin Johnson like had a huge game, like went off for the Lions. And there was like that, there was that famous clip. He got tackled and like his entire face mask was painted. So <laughs> that's all I remember. That's all I, that's all I recall from him. I'm going Buffalo, though. I like the fact they, they play that kind of too high press coverage, and, and that's what's been kind of working against Miami lately. Detroit at the Jets of New York. New York's given up this one and a half. This, this pits two of my darling teams against each other. I love the Lions, but I also have been waging on the Jets a lot. I got to go with the Lions here, though. Plus, Zach Wilson starting now. The Jets have no chance. Give me the Lions. Yeah, this one's tough. Honestly, I because Zach Wilson is I starting. Ta- I don't know if you saw it. Did the line move at all with Zach Wilson starting? Uh, let me check. But, yeah, I mean, it was one and a half beforehand. And I, I was kind of under the assumption, even though Mike White, like, broke his ribs last week, I was like, you know, he's going to tough through it. The team responds to him well. Zach or uh, Mike White with broken wi- ribs is better than, than Zach Wilson, like, healthy. So I was going to take the Jets, but but the news of Zach Wilson being the starter, I am going to change to the Lions here. Lions are on a roll. Now, I could see this being a game where Robert Sala just, like, shuts them down. But, man, the Lions offense has been really good, too. I think they're averaging wow. over 30 actually, points per game last five. It's now the Lions minus one. Basically a pick them. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm going to go Detroit. Tennessee at the L.A. Chargers. Chargers giving up three points. I know you hate the Chargers, but I'm taking the Chargers here. I just, dude, Tennessee sucks. They are literally terrible. They suck. They're bad. They have the same record as the Chargers. They're they're bad. So the Chargers bad? Yes, they're all bad. <laughs> but the Chargers are not as bad as the Titans. No, I feel Take like the I, Chargers. I, I uh, boxed myself into a corner here because. You did, because all week long yeah. you've been like, oh, Justin Herbert's going to have a bad game against the, te- the Titans. <laughs> Justin Herbert sucks. Justin Herbert's going to have a bad game. So I just have to I have to take the Titans. Yeah, plus correct. Three. No, you do. Cincinnati minus three and a half at Tampa Bay. Give me Cincinnati. Tampa Bay, I think if they're not dead, this game is going to officially make them dead. So I'm taking the, I'm taking the Bengals. What's so stupid is that even if they lose this game, at they're worst they'll like be tied the for the division, yes. right? Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's I, wild. The Saints and the Panthers play each other. And that's actually good for the Bucks because that, because they can't both win. They're yeah. playing each other. I think that I, I'm going to go Cincinnati here, and I really like this one, a minus three and a half. This is like Tampa Bay's last chance. That's, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. To show that, like, okay, maybe they could make yes. some noise. If, if they aren't already dead, this game is going to, like, either put the final nail in the coffin that they are dead or maybe revive them. Yes. But I think they're going to die. And on the flip side, Cincinnati has been absolutely rolling. Yep. Give me the Bengals. Yep. New York Giants at the Washington, I almost called them the football team, Washington <laughs> Commanders, commies, minus four and a half. Okay, minus four and a half is just a ridiculous line. These two teams are like identical. So I'm taking the Giants. I don't know that the Giants are going to win, but they're going to cover four and a half. Okay, you know, you know what's kind of sick about this game? <laughs> what? The, the over-under total is 40 and a half. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the same total that it was last time they played, 40 and a half, and they tied 20 to 20. Because they had like, it right. Dude, that's so messed up. Like, you're going to have people that are going to have PTSD seeing that line. Well, like, they had wait it a right. second. 40 and a half again? 
Oh, so yeah, I'm taking the Giants. So I, I think I said, I think it was part of NFL Monday overreactions that week. And we said, no matter how long how these long two they kept teams playing, played, they would be find tied. their yep. way to a tie. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to remind myself of that, and I'm going to I'm gonna bet on that. I could probably get like 10 to 1 odds, 15 to 1 odds. Ties don't happen that often, right? So to that notion, if it's going to be a tie, well, been, or at least ties, be a close game. How many game, ties have been this season? Two? Two, right. Giants, Washington, and then, uh, and then the Texans, Colts. Colts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. So... Tie means Giants plus four and a half covers. Correct. Yes. That's why I'm taking Giants. I will take the Giants as well. Uh, locks of the week. You are six, six, and two in the NFL. Chiefs, Texans under 49 and a half. That's my lock. Because the Chiefs are going to screw around. There's no way the Texans score more than 20 points. This is going to be Dude, like that's a, like insanely high. This is going to be like a 20 to 10 game or something ridiculous like that. Chiefs, Texans, under 49 and a half. I mean, I guess I get it with the Chiefs defense that they don't totally trust it, at least right now. They probably just think that this game's going to be like 31 to 10. That's under. That's what I'm saying. points. Oh, well, I don't know that. That's a good point. That's what I'm saying. That seems very high. I love that bet for you, is is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 that's that's why it's my loss. Even if the Texans score, uh, even if it's 31-17, you're still under. I love that. Okay, I am uh, 6-8 in my locks of the week. I actually probably need to get like an updated line from it. Well, I, I technically wrote this down on the document this morning before okay, the news so, of Russell Wilson so was you, out. So, so can I have this original you line? Took the bet. Yes. 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 So I, I don't have to take the current line. No, you can take. Just it now. out of curiosity, you can take it now. I, I want to check what the current line is just to see if I got if I got value. Like but the current line is thirty six and a half. Okay, so it's not like that crazy. So it's it's so not. You like got you half show. a point. But I did get some value at least. Yeah. So I'm gonna go under. On the Broncos Cardinals game, 36 and a half, Colt McCoy versus Brett Rippon. That screams under. Broncos still have a good defense, <laughs> right? How does that one find its way? That screams 16 to 13 to me in a game that is close late that we're forced to watch on red zone as one team is trying to drive to win the game, but ultimately sucks. I'm not going to be watching it. I can assure you that. Okay. He's Nick Springer. That's his guarantee for the week. Mine's yeah, the my lock of the week is I am not going <laughs> to watch a single second of Broncos Cardinals. So don't ask me anything about Broncos Cardinals on Monday because I can promise you I will not be watching. I'll be doing something much more productive with my time rather than wanting to stab my eyes out. Two hours down, one to go. Sports stock market next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock at hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, before we get into our sports stock market, just a quick reset. We got KU Indiana coming at you tomorrow. Top 15 showdown. Trace Jackson Davis versus Jalen Wilson, two National Player of the Year candidates. Should be a great one. Pre-game 930, tip-off at 11 o'clock here on your original home for the Hawks, KLWN, and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Two very good teams. Should be a good game. And then we have uh, KU Women's Basketball coming at you tonight. 7 o'clock, 6.45 pregame, KU Tulsa. We got high school hoops starting in 15 minutes over on our sister station, 92.9 The Bowl for Lawrence High Girls. That'll be followed by the Lawrence High Boys game with Sam Speck on the call. Some news coming out as uh, it's been a very news-heavy day Some for huge, KU football. This is huge news. Like, yeah. massive, huge news. So we had the Andy Kotelnicki five-year contract extension earlier. Yep. We had the... Kenny Logan announcement that he's coming back for next season. Those are both very big. Yep. And if you missed our conversation on that, check it out on the Best of RCST podcast from earlier in the show. This just minutes ago, Seth Keller 
a kicker from oh. Texas State, previously at Cisco College, has committed to Kansas out of the transfer portal. Bang! That's huge. Dude, he looks okay. a little in his this picture like back- a young Joe Burrow. Okay, this goes back to our question of could he kick in the Liberty Bowl? I actually, like, I feel like, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a press conference with Lance Leipold next week, and I'm going to feel like such an idiot asking the question, can he play in the Liberty Bowl? And everybody's going to be like, you're stupid. He just transferred here. Why would he play? But I, I do think it is a fair quite Like, again, I think the issue really comes down to. if you can play to, right away. I, I think know. the issue comes down to enrollment. Like, you have to, I you think have to you're be right. enrolled. I don't think he can, but hypothetically, if he could, it's not like he has to learn any plays. Kick exactly. the ball through the uprights, you, you know? You grab Coach Leopold, you grab him, say, hey, go kick. Yeah. And he goes. But, yeah, no, I, I don't think he can play. Um, but, yeah, he's he's very good. So, uh, in his career at Texas State, I mean, long list of actually, like, accolades in his time. Uh, obviously transferred over from Cisco. So, he spent three seasons at Texas State. He was a redshirt junior this year. I don't know if that takes into account or not for the COVID year. I believe it does. That would mean I believe next year would be his final season. But here's the, here's the accolades listed on his uh, player profile on Texas State. He was a 2019-20 Sunbelt Conference honor roll. So smart kid. Um, there we go. 2021 Dean's List. 2020, he was Phil Steele's All Sunbelt fourth team. 2021, he was Phil Steele's All Sunbelt fourth team as well. 2021, he was Pro Football Focus All Sunbelt second team. 2021, All Sunbelt Honorable Mention. He was the Sunbelt Special Teams Player of the Week on November 21st, 2022 and October 10th, 2022. So twice this year, Special Teams Player of the Week in the Sunbelt. He was the 2022 Burlesworth Trophy nominee, which is like the kicker of the year. Um, this says, listen to Seth Keller on the States Up podcast. Does he do a podcast? No, maybe it's just they have a podcast and he was on it. It seems like they have a podcast, yeah. So his stats, maybe most importantly of the stats, one carry, 12 yards, and a touchdown. Wait, so they ran a fake with him at some point? At some point, yes. Wow. That was from uh, 2020. But in his career, 37 of 43 on field goals. That's 86%. Wow, that's really good. That'll that'll apply. I mean, yeah, that's good. KU these last couple of years has been around like the 60% range. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good. big improvement. He's 92 of 93 on PATs. I don't know if the one was like blocked or something. So, I mean, this is – and longs too. You might be wondering, well, is he is he just kicking like chip shots? In his first year with Texas State, he kicked a long of 48 yards. His second year, he kicked a long of 48. And his third year, he kicked a long of 49. Okay, there we go. So maybe not, you know, hitting 60 yarders. I don't know. Maybe that's in there. Maybe it's not. He just hasn't had the chances for it. But very good kicker. Yeah, that's that's good. So that's KU made it a priority, as you would expect. And they got it done. They got it done. They got it done. There's uh, And I think that's the first transfer portal commit for KU for as far as, and like, it's once the, it's opened back up. position of need. Yeah. So... Bang. Check mark, baby. Okay. Sports stock market for the day. Let's get it rolling here on this edition of RCST. First up, stock is down on calendars. Okay. Most would actually think at this time of year, stock would be up on calendars. I would imagine. Because you'd be buying 2023 calendars. Yeah, buying 2023 calendars. And also that's. That's a semi-popular Christmas gift, right? You get a customized calendar for someone with that's pictures. Fair, yeah. Oh, that's fair. This is probably when more calendars are sold than any other time of year. I think so. However. We should do an investigative research on that. You can do that. Kenny Logan 
announced today, as we mentioned, he is yep. back for next season. Yep. It's his final year of collegiate eligibility. Earlier, about a week or two ago, he went to Twitter and said he's got like a big announcement coming on the 17th. Yes. Then so, earlier oh, this see, week. So he tweeted it on December 6th. Okay. He said, announcement December the 17th. And then earlier this week, he like quote tweeted it, with, put some with emojis. Emojis. So yep. essentially double down on it. Yep. Today is December 16th. Friday, December 16th. Which You're is right. not the 17th. Yep. You know? It's not the 17th. Equal sign with the slash through it. 16 not does not equal 17. Yep, not the same. So what's going on here? <laughs> Maybe Kenny Logan was is overseas in Europe, and it's actually the 17th where he's at when he tweeted that. Mm. He announced when he made the announcement. So they're like preparing for the bowl. He's like, "Hold on, coach, I got to go backpacking <laughs> abroad." And you know, I don't even know where he would go, but maybe that's it. Do you think he he thought today was the 17th? Maybe. Or I don't know. what if he what if he was trying to schedule the tweet and it just sent? Yeah, and it just well, sent. Okay, but then I don't know if you saw, but then on Instagram he had he posted the same thing on Instagram, but it was like that dual post. So it was with KU football. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it was like a, you know what I mean? Couldn't have been that. Or is there more news to come on the 17th? Maybe this wasn't the big announcement on the 17th. He's coming back. Con- we hadn't and, even considered that. And he's getting surgery to have a robotic arm. We hadn't even considered the possibility mm-hmm. that this that this was like we see this is on us, Derek, actually. Because we're like, oh, this is the big announcement. Oh, maybe it wasn't even the big announcement. Shame on us. Yeah. Shame on us. What could be bigger? I don't know. I don't know. Anything? Anything? <laughs> well, I guess we'll just we just have to wait with bated breath and see what happens tomorrow, I guess. Had the wrong day. This should be kind of funny. What if other events were like this? It just like popped up. You're like, "Man, I it's like the Saturday before the Super Bowl. You're like, "Man, I'm I just can't wait for the Super Bowl." And then all of a sudden they're like, "Nope, we're actually going to play it right now." Or like with like <laughs> movies where it's like this movie's coming out on this day. But then you go to the movie theater and it's actually a week before it's it's already out. Stock That's kind is of up. interesting promotional tactic. Yeah. Stock is up on Cole Beasley definitely trolling Tom Brady. So if you remember, okay. signed to the Bucks for like yep. a few weeks, and then he retired. Or at least he said he did. And part of that, he said he wanted to spend more time with family. Which at the time already was like Tom well, Brady's going old. through the divorce well, stuff. And I mean, but Cole Beasley's old and washed, so that's fine. But it made sense. It was, it was like, yeah, re- retire, go spend time with family. Yeah, sure, but because yeah. it was happening during the were Tom Brady to, were stuff. Were you trying to connect some dots? Well, there were some people who were connecting dots. Oh, okay. This week, he signed with the Buffalo Bills. Why? So now, looking back on it, him saying, I want to retire to spend time with family, he was definitely trolling Tom Brady. Okay. Had to be. Sure. Because he clearly was not retiring to retire. Well, he sucks. Why is he signing back with the Bills? They need another receiver. He knows the system. Isn't he like 40, though? Maybe. He's probably not that old. He's an old I feel like he's pretty old, though. Regardless, like... uh, Okay. There are just so many way easier ways and ways that require way less effort to troll Tom Brady. That would be almost equally as effective, I think. So you're going through all this effort for what? For what? You plus, just didn't get along with him. Plus, if you were going to do this, you needed to sign with the Bills like three weeks ago when this was actually kind of more relevant. Like now it's just like, we're, I, I, me personally at least, 
I'm past the, the, the force thing. Now I'm just on to Tom Brady's old and he sucks. <laughs> that's all I care about. Okay. So you're not buying into it. I mean, that's, I'm buying into it, sure, but it it's the execution I don't think is is has, has been very good. Stock is down on the Orange Bowl. It is the ultimate no one is playing bowl, right? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, there's usually the one bowl game where the SEC team doesn't care and then they lose and they just blame it on that, right? Yeah. Both teams don't really care. Hendon Hooker, it's not that he doesn't care. He's just injured, so he's not going to be able to play in the game. Jalen Hyatt opting out of the game to go to the NFL draft, the stud yep. receiver for Tennessee. Yep, they Clemson, got went off against Alabama. Their, their stud linebacker, Trenton Stimson, he's opting out of the game for the draft. Miles um, Murphy, they're like probable top five pick in the draft. The end, he's opting out of the game. Opt-outs all over. You're telling me Clay, Cade Klubnick doesn't get you going for the Orange Bowl? Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just this could have been a really cool matchup. No, you have it could two have top seven opponents who, in the case of Tennessee, explosive offense. You have two teams who I hope both wear their orange okay, jerseys in exactly. the same I'm game. Exactly. I'm kind of annoyed that they're both orange. No, I want them to both wear the orange jerseys. Oh, but it's even more hilarious because they're playing in the orange bowl. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just made that connection. Exactly. I, just, I, I, I literally, I just now made that connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because it's the orange bowl, and even though it's a fruit, it's also the color name. And so they both wear orange. Wow, that's hilarious. You're welcome. Thank Stock you. is up on paying that. MLB players till they're 40 years old. Carlos Correa joins Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, Aaron Judge as players who get okay. these mega contracts that'll pay them till they're 40. This is fine because in Major League Baseball, like you can play that long. So yes. it's fine. Yeah. You, all you have to do is hit a ball. Also, I, I've seen some reports that have talked about some of this stuff that basically it's MLB teams spacing out the, the, the money when they're paying them to basically skirt the luxury tax okay. to where, like, the Giants were comfortable, for instance, because they gave Kraft so like, 11 like, years, 350. Like, or 13 years. It's the equivalent of, like, in the NFL where you try to get under the luxury cap or the salary cap where it's like, you pay like X number of dollars for the first year, but then the second year you like restructure to where it's like all backloaded or frontloaded or whatever. Yeah, pretty much. So like I I saw something that the Giants would have been comfortable giving Correa nine years, three hundred fifty million, but they were like, hey, if we just make it four more years, we spread it out a little bit more. And yeah, you might be paying for it at the end, but it's going to keep you under the tax for the near term. And then like what I saw pointed out was contracts that you think are really big now end up not looking so big in by oh, the time great. we yeah. get to the end of it. Look at the Mahomes contract. Yes. The Mahomes contract looks great now. Yeah. And, and like uh, the the example that was pointed out, like Matt Holiday, I don't know if you remember him, like really good player for the Rockies, ended up signing with yep. the St. Louis Cardinals, like yep. all-star player, um, but not like superstar necessarily. Yeah. At the time he signed what everybody was like, holy cow, seven years, 120 million. And now it's like, That's like oh, your average got, run-of-the-mill yeah, guy now. He got like Andrew Benintendi money. You know. <laughs> uh, by the way, the Royals did make a move. Okay, Royals. Ryan Yarborough. Do anything for you? Who? Uh, former pitcher for the Rays, kind of a spot starter. Goes through the lineup a couple times. It's fine. Okay. Very Royals pitcher. Stock is down on politics, not mixing with the sports crowd. A lot of people don't like it when politics mix with sports. Well, guess what? The NCAA hired a new commissioner, Charlie Baker, who was previously the governor. Of Massachusetts. This is just classic NCAA. Just classic <laughs> idiocy. You know what's even worse? The guy doesn't even have any experience in college education. Isn't that like 90% of your job? Yes. 
So what are we doing here? I saw, I think it was Baylor's like president or also, something. serious question. What does the NCAA commissioner do? What do they do? Uh, they are mostly, I feel like, a mouthpiece in a public lightning rod to take on the PR stuff. Yeah, but okay. Mark Emmert was easy to dislike or easy to, to not enjoy. I don't know about I don't know I don't know anything about Charlie Baker. No, I'm I'm sure you'll you'll come you to think hate it's him. It's easy soon. to dislike him. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure at some point. I mean I don't know. No, I I I think the reason this is going the way it is is because the NCAA feels like it had and I mean it has lost a bunch of power through Congress. It has no power and the court exactly because of the fact that you know with NIL and Clowns. yeah the they fact that they can't limit stuff. And so they wanted somebody who was used to the government the side of the world. Bureaucratic yes, BS side Maybe of have connections to help them pass certain legislation. Okay, that's fine. It's just stupid. No, that's fine. I'm fine with that. I but, just don't care. Like, so you're fu- I get mad I at the know. NCAA, but also, like, I just... They, they don't do anything. So how can you be mad? But see, that's at, annoying to me that they made that a hire based anything. on that when you're probably not going to get anything done and... So then why why should you be able to limit stuff? Because what matters to me is you could have gone out there and ma- made an actual like good hire about somebody who would look like progressively for the, the NCAA. Last time the NCAA has done anything. No, you're right. You're right. It's it's not that I was expecting them to. I, I mean, you're 100 right. This is right up their alley. But that's I guess it's just disappointing because even though it wasn't expected, it's like maybe do something different. I don't know. Nope. Uh, stock- keep making billions of dollars off the NCAA tournament. And nothing else. <laughs> stock is up. After it had bottomed out previously on Alabama caring about their bowl game. Aaron okay. Suttles of The Athletic reported that as of now, no Alabama players plan on opting out of the Sugar Bowl. And then, and then it was uh, Pete Thamel, Pete Thamel right? confirmed it a little bit later saying that uh, both their star linebacker, Will Robinson, and Bryce Young both going to play in the in the game. It's Will, Will Robinson, right? Did I get his name right? Uh, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said Robinson. Really, Will Anderson and Bryce Young both going to play. I mean, so, they were in the classic spot of why would we care about the bowl game? We're the first team left out of now. playoff. We're Bama. And they're playing K-State. That sucks, K-State. Yep. And especially if those guys are playing. I mean, if, if, if you're an Alabama player and you're, like, considering do I opt out or not, and you see Bryce Young and Will Anderson playing who are going to be, like, top yeah. five picks. No, you do not want to be the guy that opts <laughs> no, out. No, not at that point. No, 100%. That makes that game a lot more intriguing. I think that'll be a really good game between them and Kansas State. Okay, stock is up on the husband always being at fault. This this okay. uh, headline in the New York Post. Singer who married a ghost claims he ruined their honeymoon. So it was a female singer. She married a ghost that was a dude. And then he said that... And she well, said the ghost... Makes- Ruined well, the honeymoon. This makes so much sense because she married the ghost. He obviously ghosted her for the honeymoon. So, yes, of course he ruined no, the honeymoon. No, he was there. This is the story. British singer Brocardi, I don't know, I'm, I'm unfamiliar, uh, said Wednesday that her Victorian ghost husband, Eduardo, ruined their honeymoon by allegedly drinking too much in Wales and making her pay for everything. The singer. Okay, this, this to me sounds like this woman has some sort of some sort of illness. Counterpoint. And, and thought what that if she's she was, doing this? What if she's doing this for publicity? And now, because again, I have never heard of the singer, but now I have, and I'll be like, oh, I'll go check out her her latest album. Uh, the singer met okay, her spectral husband no, this is a, one night when he appeared in her bedroom, and they had been seeing each other ever since. 
The couple hit a rough patch after Eduardo allegedly ghosted her for disclosing their relationship yes. for disclosing her relationship to the public. And she wrote a song to win Eduardo back. And then they played the song as they walked down the aisle. Well, she says Ed, I will never forget the smile on his face as they were walking down the aisle. Could any of the spectators see Eduardo? What do you think? Okay, no, if it was a publicity stunt, she she ruined it. The publicity stunt should have been, he ghosted me. It's right in front of you. It's right there. It took me three seconds to come up with that. Three. It took me two brain cells to come up with, oh, he ghosted me. That's the way to get publicity. Well, She just uh, sounds like she's crazy. According to the singer at the wedding, open to both the living and the... Uh, the yeah, spiritual. The unliving. They saw a star-studded crowd such as Elvis, Marilyn Monroe, and okay, King Henry VIII. This is VIII. actually genius because you can just claim anybody <laughs> was there. You can just claim Abe Lincoln, George Washington, Apparently, any, you can, anybody. According to this, uh, the singer, the the, that's, the that's wife. Actually, okay, that's actually genius. She said that Marilyn Monroe caused a stir at the reception. Eduardo just couldn't resist winding me up and made an inappropriate comment about her looking hot. I was like, wow, really? It's our wedding day. The comment completely ruined my evening. <laughs> That's genius, though. That, that part is genius. I'm going to use that for my wedding. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, dude, Abe Lincoln was at my wedding. <laughs> Elvis, Michael Jackson. She said that she ended up being covered in sand at one point during the honeymoon and an ice cream cone was shoved in her face when Eduardo tried to get feisty with her. What? I don't even want to explore that any further, honestly. All right, I'm done with this story. This is this is absolutely bananas. <laughs> this is just wild. Stocks up on weird stories. We could have done oh, what's going on over there, honestly, with that. We really could. Uh, last one, really stock could. is going crazy in Lubbock, Texas. It was going down. It was going up. It's where is it? It's everywhere. Uh, Fardaz Amick. I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation. Yeah, I don't either. He was a uh, really good player at Utah Valley. He averaged like 18, 19 points a game, like 12, 13 rebounds per game. Very good big man. Transferred from Utah Valley to Texas Tech. But he suffered an injury in the preseason and has missed every game so far. He hasn't come back. I think the timeline for him to come back was at some point during conference play so he's been injured he entered the transfer portal two days ago today he removed his name from the transfer portal according to jeff goodman and stadium multiple conversations with mark adams involving his injury status and clarification of previous nil agreements completely altered the situation does that does that basically mean he had an NIL agreement that he's going to get paid all this money, but as part of it was he had to stay with the team, and he tried to leave, and then they were like, okay, then you have to give the money back. Well, he's like, well, on second thought, I'm sticking around. That, yeah, I mean, that's an issue that you run into with NIL, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the idea of you're signing a contract, basically, I think, in some some NIL cases. So it's like, if you transfer But I don't know where that line is it, because no, I, you I, can't I don't do either. pay for play, I don't, right? I don't either. I don't either. Well, that's, I mean, you, you, well, yeah, you, you quote-unquote yeah. can't According pay for play. Yeah. Allegedly. Supposedly. That is our sports stock market for the week. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Stock. Rock Chuck Pick-A-Hawk. Next.
Half past the hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. You can check out anything you missed on the Best of RCST podcast. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. we got high school hoops going on right now over on 92.9 The Bowl. we got KU women's basketball tonight. we got KU men's hoops on tomorrow's show. we got to do another a, uh, Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. I'm up 5-2 to two here. Uh, on the scoring format, you get a point for every point they score. You lose a point for every shot they miss. You get two points for assists, two points for rebounds, three points for steals, three points for blocks, and you lose two points for turnovers. Uh, are we picking 10 or 12? Um, We can do 12. You sure? Yeah, we'll do snake 12. I have okay. the first pick. You had the first pick last time. Okay. Jalen Wilson, easiest pick in the books every single time. Dewan, wait. Grady Dick. Okay. Guessing your next one will be Dewan. No, I said your mind. I'm going to take Kevin McCuller with my next Wow. Okay. I was hoping McCuller lasted to me. Well, I will go to Juan Harris. That's the obvious one yeah. now that that's gone. I'll, I'll go KJ Adams. I don't love the <laughs> matchup with Trace Jackson Davis, but also we know he's going to play a lot of minutes, gobble yeah. up some rebounds, yeah. maybe get a blocker steal. I'll go with, oh, boy. I kind of want to lean. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Joe Yesfu here. Wow. I guess yep. that's not that crazy with, with the bench struggling. Yeah, I'll go Joe and then By far the earliest he's gone though. I think I'll pick I'm gonna pick Zuby with my next pick. I think Zuby's gonna play more. Okay. So Zuby is the guy. I think it was Brian yesterday that, that said Um Zuby's been, been practicing well. Yeah, okay. well, I think he's a good defensive rebounder. I think he, he could be the guy coming in to try to stop Jackson Davis. Hmm. I mean, Bobby Pettiford is the clear play of a guy <laughs> I'm certain is going to play the most minutes. But, but like, what's he going to do for Rock Chuck Pagak? That's the thing. He's I not going to. He doesn't. He doesn't get any stats. Two points, one rebound, one assist, one if turnover. If he a couple shots, then you're going to get yeah. you know one from two from the you floor. You don't get any points. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't fill up the stat sheet at all. Um. Then do I think MJ Wright? I just I don't know. I don't. If this is going to be a close game against a good opponent, it's probably a condensed rotation. So I don't feel like MJ Rice has established that yet. I'll just go with Ernest Duday, and then I'll go with Cam Martin. Okay, he was the second big off the bench last game. I will take Bobby because why not? He's there, and I have one more pick, right? Yep. So I got Zach Clements. I got Jankovic, and is that it? MJ Rice. Oh, MJ. Oh, give me MJ Rice. MJ Rice. That's good value for that pick, I think. So I have Clements. That's Jankovic. Much it, right? I can't imagine Jankovic plays in this game. No, you would think he probably. So would. I don't even but have again, the upside of like he could come in and hit a three. Yeah, you know, that's fair. That's fair. I, I'm just gonna go Zach Clements, but. Yeah, it's it's a worry that he comes in and goes <laughs> 0 for 2 from the floor and gets negative points. So it goes Zach. So I have Jalen, Dewan, KJ, Ernest, Cam, and Zach. You have Grady, Kevin, Joe, Zuby, Bobby, and MJ. I like my squad this this game. I like your squad better too. You want to switch? No. Trade your squad for I'm, squad. First of all, I'm down. I need the better squad as it is. Okay. Just remember, if I end up beating you, I offered to trade you teams. Uh, okay. 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 This is a win-win for me because now either I lose and I, I knew I had the worst squad or or you win, I win and, and you'd be like, you, ooh, yeah. ooh, like ooh, I offered ooh, you. I offered you to trade teams. Trade teams. <laughs> 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 All 
<laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. I hope I don't sound like that. This is Rock Truck Sports <laughs> Talk on KLWN. RCST Replay, next.